Geek Southwest Weekly is brought to you by Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant at 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix, T-Mobile, home of America's largest 5G network, by College Bar and Grill at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe, the ASU fans home away from home, Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, voted best of Las Vegas two years in a row. Roger Klein's Pension Tequila, award-winning tequila since 2011. Cold beers and cheeseburgers. 12 Valley locations serving the finest in craft beers and handcrafted burgers. Behind the Mask, serving the Valley hockey community since 1994. OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning products, gets the funk out of your equipment or office. M-Drive, for energy, stamina, recovery. Ice Den Scottsdale, practice home of the Arizona Coyotes, also in Chandler. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right, welcome in hockey fans in the desert southwest around the United States, Canada, and uh, maybe even Minnesota tonight as uh, I am joining you from beautiful Lake Elmo, Minnesota. Uh, Scott Strandy here, and my co-host is always Paul Hornstein, joining me from that beautiful palatial estate out on Long Island. Although, folks, I did find him on my way to Minnesota, a beautiful lake home right in the middle of the Mississippi River, just north of Dubuque. So Paul may be making a summer commitment to uh, just north of Dubuque, Iowa. Paul, how are you? I don't you? know how much are you charging me in rent. <laughs> That's always the case, isn't it? We always That's come true. back to that. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? Uh, we're good. Uh, you know, we're scrambling around a little bit these uh, last 10 days and so, uh, trying to figure out what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks uh, in terms of my, uh, I don't want to say real job, because I feel like <laughs> this is my real job, and that other thing just kind of provides me with a paycheck. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, the pandemic is uh, is still rip-roaring all over the country. Um, not nearly as bad as it was, thank God, but but it is still popping up, and it's affecting play, uh, college hockey play. It's affecting uh, everything but the NHL. The NHL has done a fantastic job, and I know uh, another four minutes and 14 seconds until we have 100% of your attention because the uh, New York no, Islanders and the Flyers are 3-2 right now. <laughs> you have a hundred percent of my attention because clearly the more I don't pay attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, the flyers, uh, we're, I don't know how it's going to end. You still got three minutes to go. Uh, the flyers were clearly the better team tonight. Uh, Islanders are going to have to learn not to, you know, decide to play uh, the last 15 minutes of the third period every night and win games. Cause that's what they tried to do a few times in this series and that ain't good hard yeah, to win gonna, that way no it is it's very difficult to win and then from my end of it the team that i cover the vegas golden knights are going to start up here shortly uh i'm going to be really distracted except i forgot to charge my tablet and there's a good chance that uh, it may go out on me sometime during the middle of the game so i yeah. may not have as much uh um let's get back to college hockey 
Because okay. that's what we uh, that's what we talk about here is the NCAA hey, there's college a bunch of stuff hockey. to talk about. To be honest with you, <laughs> well, as you know, I made a stop in in Dubuque, Iowa, and did a feature right. called um, "From a Saint to a Sun Devil." Um, right. A great visit with the head coach Oliver David, and talked about uh, what they do um, to uh, manufacture young men and turn them into. Co- college hockey players so uh that's going to be coming up on friday it was a great interview we spent about two and a half hours i think going around the rink and talking hockey so uh thanks a lot to dubuque for having me in and letting me do my thing tonight we also have another repeat guest because as i said before when you're this good you must come back again and we're going to have jess myers from the rink live joining us here in just a couple of minutes um and yes, Jess, I did spell your name correctly today, and I didn't get one comment about spelling it correctly. I know Myers is spelled M-Y-E-R-S, but I did have a typo as I was driving 75 miles an hour down the freeway, and I put an extra E in there. And then, of course, um, the wonderful autocorrect picked it up and kept putting it in everything I tweeted. Yeah, see, so, I tried to bail you out. You, you, you. I know. I don't know why you did that. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I tried, but but Jess is going to be joining us here in a minute, and uh, and we certainly appreciate having him on his uh, knowledge of college hockey, professional hockey, um, and certainly everything up here in the Upper Midwest. So uh, we deem this week Minnesota week. We didn't get Rob Sauber last night. Uh, we had a little misconnect, I guess, but uh, Rob texted me at uh, 2.04 in the morning and said, um, yeah, I'll come on on Wednesday night. So tomorrow night's a doubleheader. Uh, Club Hockey Southwest Weekly yeah. will change to 6 p.m. Pacific time. And then we'll bring on the uh, uh, the Hobie Baker Award winner, the head coach of uh, Team USA, the former goaltender for the LA Kings. I mean, go on and on and on. The Duluth Denfeld product. And, Paul, I don't know if you just saw this, but your Islanders have just tied it with two. Uh, yes, like I said, okay. uh, better off not watching the game. <laughs> Um, okay. By the way, uh, we actually do have a bunch of different things to talk about with Jess. Uh, he can probably explain them better than you or I can. Uh, the NCAA is, you know, trying to juggle what they're, you know, what they're doing with the virus and and eligibility and things like that. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know if these things have gone into effect yet, or they're just talking about them. Uh, so there are some things to talk about in terms of, uh, uh, not necessarily this season or maybe this season, uh, recruiting and the whole shooting match. So, um, you know, have him having been involved in around this a lot more than I have, uh, you know, I basically only been around this for six or seven years. Um, well, I think he's got a record of like, than I do. Yeah, I think he's probably been to like 30 Frozen Fours or something like that. We'll ask him when he comes yeah. down because uh, he'll know. He's got all the uh, media credentials hanging around his neck still, I think. so. <laughs> uh, but before we jump into Jess, uh, I just want to say uh, it was sad news that we got again last week on a Wednesday uh, when we found out that Alaska Anchorage, or was it two weeks ago now, Paul? Um, I, all these uh, days are blending anyway, so it doesn't matter. But to lose an Alaska school was was sad, and we go from sixty to sixty one to sixty to sixty one to sixty two back to sixty one, um, and 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 that's one of the things we should discuss tonight too. Is just uh, where does everything stand as far as NCAA hockey, and where do we think it's going to stand? So. Um, not NCAA related, but the uh, Oceanside Ice Arena did start a new uh, 
that um, ASU club players will be playing in starting very soon. So that's exciting. Right. That they're going to get some game action. And uh, I'll just tip off a couple of things from what uh, uh, Oliver David told me at Dubuque. Uh, number one, he's very, very proud of uh, the players that he's sending to ASU and, and Josh Maniscalco going on and, and playing uh, now with the um, – uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Pittsburgh Penguins. But but he said something interesting about Jacob Jacob Semek, and I don't want to tease it too much without you know giving the whole story away. But he said um, Jacob Semek is going to be a coach someday, and he doesn't really want to be a coach. He wants to be a scout or a GM. <laughs> so he said, uh, really, he said there might be some work that Jacob Semek is doing while he's a student at ASU um, voluntarily right. to send people to Dubuque to do a little scouting, to do a little bird dogging. <laughs> so I, I thought that was really funny. And when you hear it, uh, the other thing that he told me uh, several times over again, is I kept telling him that I said, I'm going to call this feature from a saint to a sun devil. And he kept telling me, oh, that's a great name. I want to trademark it. So every time I said Did that, <laughs> during, well, every time I said that, he would step into the mic and say, trademark. <laughs> 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 you'll, you'll hear it. It was classic. Oh, yeah. So uh, it was fantastic. Uh Islanders in Pittsburgh tied up uh, less Pittsburgh? than a minute to go. So, uh, sorry, Philadelphia. Uh, I know what you call them. Oh, uh, listen, maybe I don't. I, I'm just like, <laughs> okay, maybe I don't know. Uh, um, absolutely. Uh, there's a uh, there's a couple of things. First of all, uh, you mentioned it. Um, it doesn't look like the folks involved with Anchorage are going to go down without a fight. Uh, yeah, will I they saw be that. able to save it? Who knows? Um, but they're not going to go down without a fight. They saved them. In- and it's and it's and it's you know all part of this shift, right? Uh, because you know Anchorage used to fill that building in Sullivan Arena every night, uh, right. and that was the team in town. And uh, you know a lot of players come out of Alaska to play college hockey at a lot of different levels. I don't want to just say the Division One level, but it's the game there. Uh, Fairbanks is still going strong. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see what happens with them uh, based on what happens with Anchorage. And um, to go in the complete other direction, uh, Jess may <laughs> or may not have something to say about this later. Um, they announced the winner of the Hockeyville. Right. I don't, don't want to – is it a competition? I don't know. Yeah, well, it was a competition. I, I, East I mean, I don't know how it Jess- works, to be honest Jess will tell you about East Grand. We're going to let him go into that because right, I'll talk about but, East Grand Forks and El Paso, Texas. Well, that's what I'm going to say. That's the yeah. Southwest, isn't that? that well, it's, it's yeah, the Southwest, right? El Paso. <laughs> that's us. Good for yeah. them. That's awesome, by the way. Um, people don't really have a feel for how much hockey there actually is in Texas. Yeah. So they're the Daniel biggest Wright. high school league in the country. Or, excuse me, the biggest high school tournament in the country. Even if it's not. The, the skill level is not to what it is in wherever you are. And yeah, I'm in Minnesota. Michigan and, uh, no, Minnesota. and some of these other places. What? I'm sorry. I never heard of it. Um, maybe we'll have Jess, since he covers the Gophers, maybe we'll have him uh, do the shout-out for, for Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay, enough yeah, of that. So, but, I mean, <laughs> you know, they're the first city outside the Eastern time zone to win that prize competition. I don't even know what, like I said, I don't even know what to call it. 
Yeah, it's it's a competition. It's a, it, it's competing for your area, and it's it's nice. It's a it's a rebuild uh, of an arena, so it's a fantastic thing. But uh, let's hold that for a couple minutes till we get Jess on. Let's take a two minute break. And let's come back and bring uh, Jess Myers on from the Rink Live. Ask any hockey player in the desert Southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the Rink and Sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Bill Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice? Our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable. Show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates. You can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist, actually made M-Drive for himself to stay active and continue enjoying life. And yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. M-Drive is the everyday supplement to fuel your drive with more energy and more strength. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. Visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just type in the code DRIVE at checkout. You find your prime with mdrive. All right, we're back. College Hockey Southwest Weekly every Tuesday night live on the Podbean app. Scott Strandy not joining you from uh, sweltering Arizona tonight, but up in beautiful Lake Elmo, Minnesota. And uh, Paul Hornstein, of course, is always on that beautiful palatial estate that, that is Long Island. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Paul, it's, uh, it, it's our pleasure to welcome back to the show uh, a Minnesota native and uh, one of the most knowledgeable hockey people I know. And uh, he'll tell us exactly how long he's been covering uh, NCAA hockey. But Jess Myers from the Rink Live is joining us now. And, and Jess, if you're there, uh, hit one of the call-in buttons and jump on board with us, and we'll be uh, rocking and rolling, talking some NCAA college hockey here on College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Well, we'll wait for that. You guys yeah. will just have to uh... – but, um, earlier, so I, I'm sure she'll be on here in just a sec. Here he comes. There he is. Jess, how are you? I'm doing great, Scott. And I was going to say, if I'm one of the most knowledgeable hockey people that you know, you've got to meet a lot more people. That's all I'm going to say. Man, oh, man. Oh, that yeah. is well, a pile of – hold on a minute, folks. That is a pile of BS, and anybody in the state of Minnesota knows it. Um, we're going to start right off the get-go. So, so you razzed the heck out of me because I misspelled your name while I was driving 75 miles an hour down the interstate. Uh, well, first of all, don't text and drive, for goodness thank sake. Thank you. And, and, if, and if you were on Superstition Freeway, I'm thankful you're still alive. That's, I'll, no, I'll say that first straight up. Let, let me wait, tell are you we talk, wait, 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 wait. Are we talking Superstition Freeway in, in the Valley of the Sun? Because I don't think it's possible to go. 75 miles an hour on that road. Oh, there is now. It is now, Paul. Oh. 
so, so Jess, let me tell you about my week. I, Thursday, I was in Las Vegas for the UNLV fundraiser golf tournament. Uh, I drove from there to Denver on Friday. Uh, Saturday, I drove to Kansas City. Uh, Sunday morning, I drove to St. Louis to visit with uh, John Hogan, the head coach at Maryville University, and take a tour of Lindenwood and take a tour of that beautiful facility down in St. Louis. I'm sure you've been there, the Centrine Center. Um, And then I drove back to Kansas City, spent the night, did the podcast, and then drove up to Dubuque and visited with uh, Coach Oliver David yesterday, doing a little feature. And then I ventured into Lake Elmo, got here about 8.15, 8.30 last night, sat down to do a podcast, and we misconnected with Rob Stauber. So Rob's coming on tomorrow night. Um, So, yeah, that's the way my week has been. But glad to have you on and so much college hockey to talk about. So let's dig in. Uh, first and I foremost, really hope how, you, how I, are you I, and I are really you safe? I really hope you have a rental car. I really hope you have a rental car. Let's just say that. Uh, no, but I wish my car was wrapped. That won't happen until the 15th of September. <laughs> it would have been great promotion, I'll tell you. Um, so anyway, uh, we lost to Alaska Anchorage. Um, your thoughts on that? Because I know last time we had you on, you expressed some concern about um, possibly losing some teams or being able to keep all the teams. So what do you know about that one? Uh, you know, that was a move that is sad, but I don't think anybody who knows college hockey, who follows college hockey, was all that surprised by it. Um, and, and you're absolutely right, you know, Paul, and, and listening to you guys in, in kind of the run-up to me coming on the air. Alaska Anchorage used to be the big show in the state of Alaska as far as sports go. You know, obviously they don't have, you know, any any major pro sports teams there. Uh, Sullivan Arena, which is in, in Anchorage, in the downtown area of Anchorage, about six, 7,000 seats. You couldn't get a ticket to save your life there back in you know the early 90s. Uh, yep. Tough place to play, some good teams, some, some good players came out of there. And, you know, this is going to really be something. And in just kind of a, a sad story, it just really never panned out. I mean, you, uh, they struggled to, uh, to get players up there. They struggled to keep players up there. I mean, that was part of it, too. You would get some pretty good freshmen who would come there, and after uh, a year they would say, you know what, it's just not for me uh, being this far from the, the, the lower 48 or whatever it is. And a lot of guys would transfer out of there and wind up in other places. Um, there were some issues with the arena over time. You know, friends of mine who are Gopher fans, for example, in the final year of the old WCHA flew up to Anchorage because they said, you know, hey, we want to see a game in Anchorage. We want to see a series in Anchorage. They said they were really shocked and, and kind of disappointed by the condition of Sullivan Arena, that the, the city of Anchorage hadn't put a lot of money into it. Um, you know, simple things like cleaning the plexiglass just hadn't been done. So it seemed like when you talk to people like Don Lucia, who is the commissioner of the CCHA and who coached in Alaska for years, you know, when you asked him about programs like that and Fairbanks that aren't going to be part of the, the new CCHA, The one thing he always talked about was just the general level of commitment that those schools had made toward their hockey programs. And, you know, the the implication was that they had kind of uh, the schools had kind of left college hockey to kind of uh, die on the vine at at Alaska Anchorage. And it looks like uh, that's going to be the end result here, sadly. Yeah, I, uh, I totally agree with you, Jess. I remember um, there used to be some great games up there, and uh, you know as well when, when North Dakota would go up there or Minnesota would go up there, there would be some great hockey games, and everybody uh, in 
Northern Minnesota would would kind of wait for that because it was a late night game, right? <laughs> it didn't start till like ten thirty oh, at man. night or something. <laughs> it was incredible. There was there was uh, nothing for me back back when I was doing a lot more traveling and doing a lot more freelancing. There was nothing for me like leaving Mankato at you know ten ten thirty on a on a Friday night after a, a Mankato let's say Wisconsin game and flip it on the radio and here's Wally Shaver coming to you live from Anchorage as the Gophers are playing uh, the Seawolves and well, and you'd have live college hockey to listen to all the way home it was fantastic. Well, and and you know not only did they have some good teams up there and playing in front of six and seven thousand. Oh, let's face it. We know that it's probably the hardest place and the, and, and the biggest travel, no matter where you're located, the biggest travel commitment uh, that you could make. And you had to, to have a tough time, especially in that Friday game when, when, when you finally got up there and the sun doesn't <laughs> shine at all. That, that's got to be crazy or it had Absolutely. to be. You know, uh, Brush Christensen, who was the kind of the founder of hockey at Alaska Anchorage, he was a guy from Fort Francis, Ontario, went up there and, and started the program in 1979 and, you know, kind of built them into what they were at one point. I remember being at a Gopher Blue Line Club meeting. This was in the early 90s when Anchorage had just been approved to eventually join the WCHA. And he's speaking to this crowd of Gopher fans, and he said, you know, this is what we've got up here. We've got a 6,000-seat rink that's sold out every night. You know, people are rabid about hockey in Alaska. Uh, and, and he said, you know, it's not that far away. He said, there's there's a six-hour flight from, from Minneapolis. You can get there. It's, it's not that hard. We encourage you. Come on up. We'll find you some tickets. <laughs> so, you know. And Doug Woog, the late Doug Woog, God rest his soul, he got up to speak and he said, you know, it's funny. Whenever we fly up there, we seem to get on the nine-hour flight. I don't know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and oh, knowing, yeah. Doug, knowing Doug Woog, the late, great Doug Woog, as you mentioned, Jess, that would be uh, something that would definitely come out of his mouth. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that, Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's but but, but you're, you're right in – yeah, you're right in that, you know, that was kind of a home ice advantage for them is that – you know, if you're, if you're a team that's gotten there, first of all, you've traveled six, seven, eight, nine hours to get there. Secondly, you're playing at 1030 at night, the time, you know, body time. Sure. Uh, you know, right. your body's telling you it's time to, to maybe go to bed, although these are college kids. You know, your body's telling you, OK, you should <laughs> it's be to just bed time in to four wake hours. Up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so there, there's all that to adjust to. So so that was definitely a home ice advantage. But the flip side of that is talking to guys like John Hill and Dave Shyak, who were the head coaches at Alaska Anchorage at one point. He would say the flip side of that is, you know, you would travel to Minnesota or to Wisconsin or to Michigan Tech, you know, some of these places that weren't easy to get to from Anchorage, Alaska. And he said, you know, two shifts into the game on Friday night, you would realize, you know what, it's just not going to happen tonight. You know, these guys are just, <laughs> are just not physically able to give the effort that we're going to need. And he said, you know, you never, you never truly like pack it in, but you had to kind of just say to yourself, you know what, we're just going to kind of hold serve tonight and we're going to go for the split on Saturday. So, you know, physically uh, it's a long way to Anchorage and, and, you know, that just was something that not every team could deal with. And frankly, it was something that the, the Seawolves couldn't deal with all that well uh, in some yeah. cases. Okay. Well, before there's we, supposedly hold on a, a rally and hopefully. 
Paul, one just thing here uh, before we jump into it. Uh, Jess just told us before we started that that he wasn't the most knowledgeable hockey person that we know. Yeah, he's I know. I don't. I, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's already rattled off enough stuff to to fill most people's minds in the yeah. hockey world. So, so like I say, I call BS on that one right off the get go. But uh, just tell us how many uh, Frozen Four credentials uh, do you have hanging around at your house? Well, if I would have gone to Detroit this year. Right. <laughs> that would have been number 28 for me. Okay, uh, I was close. I said and, close to 30. Yeah, and, you know, it it, it just didn't happen. So, uh, yeah, but but I'm blessed to, you know, starting in 1989, I've been to almost every Frozen Four since then. There have been a couple where, uh, you know, one one year I was in a friend's wedding and couldn't make it out to Boston, and, and one year, sadly, my mother was in a battle with cancer, and I just couldn't justify, you know, getting on a plane and, and going to a couple college hockey games. But uh, yep. for the most part, I've been kind of a almost every year guy at the Frozen Four. And, and you know, what's really neat about that is starting in 1989 in St. Paul, Harvard versus the Gophers, just, a, you know, a, an incredible atmosphere, uh, a sold-out game, you know, 90% Gopher fans in the building. <laughs> It got me hooked right away. You know, I was 20 years old or 19 or 20 years old. And, and you know, that was like, hey, I got to do this every year. But what's really cool is to see how this event has evolved and how it has grown from the days when places like the Providence Civic Center or Pepsi Arena in Albany, you know, these, these kind of minor league buildings that had 11 or 12,000 seats, something like that, would play host to the Frozen Four to the point it is now where it's almost exclusively at NHL buildings. Right. Um, you know, and, and you've got 19, 20,000 seats and you've got fans coming from all over the country. And that's another neat thing is just you have that core group of fans that go to the Frozen Four. It's never about the team that's there. It's about, you know, we're just going to go watch some great college <laughs> hockey. And some right. of them are Gopher fans and some of them are Maine fans and some are BC fans and, you know, whoever. That's one of the really neat things about especially the first round of the Frozen Four is just walking around the concourse and seeing how many different college hockey sweaters you see from different schools all over the country. It's just, it's just a fantastic event. Yeah. Especially when they go to Tampa Bay, right? Oh, man. If, <laughs> if, they were to, if they were to move it to Tampa permanently, I don't know that you would get a, a lot of argument about that. You know, Tampa uh, does a great job. Unless you're talking about maybe ended up at Vegas, right? I, you know, we keep hearing that Vegas is going to get one of these uh, uh, within the next round. Now, of course, everything's kind of been thrown into chaos because, you know, it was going to be Detroit last year. That had to be canceled at the last minute. And I felt so bad for the Detroit people because they had traveled all over the country with the trophy and had really promoted Detroit as a place that, let's face it, most of the college hockey world can drive to Detroit. It's, you know, within maybe 12, 14 hours of of the majority of the college hockey world. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's a place that's relatively easy to get to. It's a bigger city, so there's a lot of hotels. They have a new arena. You know, they, they were really excited about hosting this event. And, you know, lo and behold, less than a month before it was supposed to happen, COVID causes all of that to be shut down. Now, here's where it gets really interesting, because you wanted to talk about, you know, where we are now with college hockey. Right. Pittsburgh right. is supposed to be the host next year. Pittsburgh is supposed to be the 2021 host. Right. And there has been some talk, and I've talked to Don Lucia, and I've talked to Bob Motzko, and you know some of the folks around here, what's the Big Ten going to do? That's my big question. That's the big question of, of University of Minnesota fans who are the fan base that I deal with most directly. Okay? 
if Big Ten football finds a way to play, we figure Big Ten basketball, Big Ten hockey will also find a way to play. I'm relatively confident that that's going to happen in some form. But if you don't start the college hockey season until, let's say, January 1st, right? that means the entire calendar gets shifted two or three months back. So as Bob Motzko told me, one topic of conversation among college hockey coaches is, okay, NCAA, let us move the Frozen Four back then to, let's say, June 1st or even June 15th. Play the Frozen Four back, you know, make it, a, make it more of a summer event because then you can still do a 34-game college hockey season. You know, I'm okay with January that, by 1st. the way. What's that? I'm okay with that, by the way. I, I'm okay with that. Now, here's where you throw a wrench into it a little bit. Pittsburgh is supposed to host it, right? If the, right. NCAA, if the NCAA moves the Frozen Four back, but what if the NHL also moves their season back? All of a sudden, you're saying to the Pittsburgh Penguins, we need you out of your building for a week in what could be either still the regular season or it could be the start of the NHL playoffs. That's a big ask for an NHL team to say, hey, we need you on the road for the first week of the playoffs. And, and you wonder how the Penguins or whoever you know the host team is would deal with that. Well, I didn't consider this, but this is what Bob Motzko brought up. If you're the city of Pittsburgh, if you're the local organizing committee and you say, okay, you're going to have the Frozen Four, but first of all, we're going to move it back two and a half months. And right. second of all, we're not going to allow any fans in the building. If you're Pittsburgh, why do you want that? Oh. You know, okay, you're no, not going to make I, any I money it. off it. You're yeah, not going to have anybody at bars and restaurants. Um, I get it. Let so me, let the, me thought is, the thought is maybe <laughs> just for this year you say – Let's play the Frozen Four at kind of a neutral site, a smaller building, you know, a, you know, essentially a, a place with a couple thousand seats where you can have TV, you can have media, and really nothing else. And Pittsburgh, you know, we'll get you down the road just like we're going to do with Detroit. We'll get you a Frozen Four at some point later. Okay, Jess, I, I got a fix for that. Uh, you can bring it out to Gila River Arena because there's a couple of things I can guarantee. The, the Coyotes will not be in the playoffs at that time. <laughs> so that would be a real easy wow. fix. Uh, second, wow. Second of, all, second of all is we're used to having a building with not many fans, so we can deal with that part of it. It's a beautiful oh. building, and we'll take care of a whole bunch of uh, – oh. uh, <laughs> it'll take care of a whole bunch of the media part wow. of it. Everybody will love it because it still won't be – maybe it won't be 115 by then, but it'll still it'll be a nice be environment. <laughs> Yeah, but 2020's affected everything, Paul, so it won't be that hot wow. by then. That'll still be the cool part of the season. So there we go. I, I solved the problem for you. Just bring it to Gila River Arena in, in Glendale, Arizona. No, he just doesn't have... want to travel anymore, <laughs> Jess. That's really what it comes down to. Well, he only drove like 700 miles in the last two days, so you know we'll, we'll give Scott a little bit of a break. But no, oh, you know, oh, I've oh, made a pitch, first of all, that I think Gila River Arena would be a fantastic place to host the Frozen Four. Because it has everything you need. It has a, a nice building. It has a few hotels right nearby. So you could have right. team headquarters. You could have fans right in that area. It's got shopping. It's got bars and restaurants. All kind of in that one contained Westgate area. I think that right. would be a perfect site for Frozen Four. And let's face it, if you're there in the second week of April, it's going to be 85 and sunny every day. Um, yeah. Which, which isn't a bad little perk either. But... Yeah. Again, under this scenario where you're not going to have fans, let's go to Oceanside. Why not? I want to be in that press box for a frozen floor. Yes. I want to be sitting right on top of the players' bench 
so I can hear every word that's uttered by those players at Oceanside Arena for a Frozen Four. I want that experience. Uh, listen, I, I I, he would like that even more. But by the way, uh, when you hit Gila River, uh, just expect there from this point on after this podcast goes out uh, to have uh, some posters up on the uh, walls of Gila River. Have you seen this, man? Don't let him in. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I joke, I, I joke and jest about things, but um, you know, as a longtime Coyote fan, I've been there thirty years. Um, it's it's difficult to uh, continue to see what's going on, but that's a whole other story. And and we wish them the best. Another podcast. We hope they can re. Yeah, we hope they can uh, redo things. But um, just uh, listen, night- listen, I. I I know why I'm here. I know I'm here to talk college hockey, but let me just digress for just one second. Sure. He already has. Um, since we haven't talked about, since we haven't talked about the end of the Coyotes playoff run, <laughs> I got all excited because I cover the Minnesota Gophers, right? And in the right. Coyotes' last uh, playoff game of the opening round, Phil, Phil Kessel has a very important goal. They win. They're going on to the next round. Everything is looking good. Uh, you know, the sky's the limit for this Coyotes team. I actually went on the uh, the Zoom call with Alex Goligoski and, and with the, the coaches before the next round, before the first game. And I asked a couple questions about Phil Kessel seems to be heating up. What, what is that kind of good omen for your team? If, if Phil Kessel gets hot in this next round, got some great quotes about, you know, what an inspirational leader Kessel is, you know, a guy who's, who's done it all and a, a pure goal scorer, all that. I get all excited. I'm going to write this story about how Phil Kessel is like the key to the next round for the Coyotes. And well, I never got to write that story, and I don't think I ever will. So yeah, I, I think yeah. you're right. It was uh, didn't didn't it, quite it was work. Disappointing, out. Jess. It was so disappointing as a Coyotes fan. Not so much because we didn't think they could beat the Avalanche, or at least the realistic people didn't. But everybody to a man that I talked to, not just a fan. But I'm talking about major corporate partners and everything. We're so disappointed in the effort of the final two games. How could you lose seven to one twice to end your season yeah. after all the goodwill that you'd done in getting into the playoffs for the first time in eight years and everything else? So, okay, that's another topic. As I said, Sunday night we had uh, your good friend, Pat Micheletti, on, and he was a gas. He was awesome. <laughs> I don't think I quit laughing for two hours after the show ended. Um, it, he went on and on and on. But one of the things he told us when we, we asked him about college hockey was, he, he said, I'm fearful that the, this pandemic is going to end some programs. Um, I don't know that you feel that way. I don't know I feel that way, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. How, how do you feel? Do you feel Pat's got a legitimate uh, concern? Well, I, I think you would have to call his concern legitimate because we talked about Alaska Anchorage. We've already seen uh, one program fall victim. Now, I don't think, you know, okay, I'm going to bring up a political topic here. You know, there's all this talk about if someone passes away and they have COVID, but they also have diabetes, did they actually die of diabetes or did they die of COVID? Here's my question with Alaska Anchorage. Did COVID kill Alaska Anchorage or was it the fact that they essentially a year and couple months ago got kicked out of the conference and didn't have a home. You know, they had an administration that wasn't investing in their program. It's easy to blame the pandemic for the fact that Alaska Anchorage probably won't be around uh, 24 months from now. But I do think that's a legitimate fear. Now, I don't know that you're going to see programs dropped, but I do see an era coming in college sports where they say, you know, 
export is costing us a lot of money. Let's cut back. And I don't know if that means we get rid of one of the assistant coaches or, you know, we stop, you know, getting as many sticks as we used to. Little kind of subtle things that are going to affect a program in the long run where a player is going to say, suddenly that program looks less attractive to me to go play for. That leads to a snowball effect of you're not getting the top level athletes anymore. You're not winning as many games. Suddenly the fans aren't quite as interested. You're not selling season tickets and sponsorships like you used to. And that can lead to a real spiral. So that's, I guess my bigger concern is that you can see kind of a degradation of some college hockey programs as a result of the budgetary stuff that's happening as a result of the pandemic. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, I can tell you as uh, w- in our company, I'm the guy that's out pounding the streets and, and it's hard uh, to talk to a sponsor, a corporate partner, if you will, um, because right now they don't know. They don't know what's happening with their bar or restaurant, if that's the case. Or uh, Shoot, I was out at a casino, and they didn't know what was happening. They actually said, you know, let, let's revisit this in January when hopefully we have a season, an NCAA season or an NHL season or an AHL season. So I understand their concerns. Um, the one thing with, with NCAA hockey is it, it seems like – it's, it's a program that can do okay if they can get their fan bases involved. And that's what scares me the most is if you don't have your fan bases, um, goodness gracious, uh, you can only go so long playing games in an empty barn. Well, that's, you know, covering the Gophers, and this is a team that has seen declining attendance in the last, you know, five years. It's been an absolute disaster attendance-wise. For the Minnesota Gophers, you know, a, a team that used to needed to just open the doors to to sell ten thousand tickets. Uh, Big Ten playoffs the last couple of years, they've had about two thousand in the building, maybe less than that. Um, two thousand people in a ten thousand seat building doesn't look good. Um, so the joke, and this was right around the time that COVID was hitting and things were shutting down, is that you know, Gopher hockey fans have been socially distancing for a long time. They're the most responsible fans <laughs> in all of college hockey. You know, and that's I'm not even going to get into this because. Uh, <laughs> and um, speaking of Gopher hockey, by the way, Scott, you mentioned yeah. the Golden Knights, who you're still covering. Uh, did you guys see the goal that uh, Nate Schmidt scored the other night? I did. Did we ever? <laughs> okay, now I'm going to question you because I don't believe you did because that puck moved so fast that I don't think anybody saw. Wow, well, that it had that, to eventually, right? That yeah. was the most I saw the you know, incredible one timer I've seen in a long time. Even in slow mo, it was blurry. I know. He's such an incredible, and you know this, Jess, he's such an incredible quote machine. I tell oh. everybody that, that the first time that I went into the Golden Knights locker room three years ago, it was Nate on one side, it was Eric Kala on the other, and it was Marc-Andre Fleury in the middle. So we had French speaking going on, and we had nonstop from Nate, and we had Halla who was egging everybody on. <laughs> yep. It was It was classic. Yep, absolutely. No, Nate, 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 you know, to this day, after a, a gopher hockey game on an average Friday night in January, <laughs> the sports information director, Brian Deutsch, will come down to us in the media and say, who do you guys want to talk to? You know, five years later, I still say, I want Nate Schmidt. <laughs> there has never been a quote That's like funny. him. No, <laughs> yeah. no, that is a fact. Okay, Paul, yep. you got something to go? <laughs> well, I, listen, what do you want? I'm just, you know, I have questions because I don't, 
have 30 frozen fours, or I'm sorry, 28. Um, and I tr am trying to keep up with all these rule changes. And, you know, I'm not sure if anybody understands them all yet. Um, but uh, I'm sitting here trying to figure out a 21-year-old rule. What are we talking about here? Uh, they're talking about letting ju players play junior hockey until the college season starts. Do you have any feel for some of those things that they're talking about, Jess? Here's the big risk that college hockey finds itself in, uh, in this kind of unknown spot that we are right now. And don't get me wrong, there's some good news on the horizon. University of Michigan held their first practice yesterday. Um, again, we don't know when the season's going to start. We don't know what the season's going to look like. But Mel Pearson had his team out on the ice at Yost Arena yesterday. Um, and by the way, you want to look at a good freshman class, look to the University of Michigan this year because that team is going to be loaded with some young guys. Um, you knew Mel Pearson would do well there eventually. It's not going to take as long as anybody expected because um, that team looks like they're really on the rise. So anyway, you're seeing some optimistic signs like that. Uh, the Gophers are, are going to be back on campus soon. Sampo Ranta, their star player who's Finnish, uh, I traded messages with him today. He said he's hopping on a plane tomorrow. He's coming back to the Twin Cities. And that They're going to be on the ice sooner rather than later. But here's the issue you run. We talked about how college hockey puts together a 34-game season, which is a standard right. college hockey season. I don't know if that's realistic. I don't know if anybody knows that's realistic. And let's say you've got a kid who's a pretty good player who's 18, 19 years old. They can go to Dubuque and play for the Fighting Saints this year and play 50 games. Or they can play a college hockey game that, let's say, to pick a number at random, is going to be 28 games. Right. If you're Bob Motzko and that kid is one of your recruits, do you say, you know what? You're better off staying in Dubuque this year, playing 50 games. We'll bring you in next year when hopefully life is back to normal. So that's why there have been some of these adjustments to the rules to say, you know, if college hockey is going to start on, let's say, January 1st, and you're playing for the Dubuque Fighting Saints and you want to stay in Dubuque until the second semester at St. Cloud State University or wherever you happen to be committed to play college hockey, you can do that, um, uh, you know, and – Kudos to college hockey. Kudos to the NCAA for kind of making those uh, that kind of flexibility to what has normally been some pretty hard and fast rules. Well, and you spoke to Bob Motzko uh, for one of your columns at the Rink Live, um, and he's still pretty optimistic they can get a full season in. Um, he's, he's got an interesting idea. Uh, okay, and, and, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say. Uh, you know, you spoke to him, so I, I was going to, you know, what was your insight outside of, the, you know, when, when you're the, 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 you know, peeking in, you hear him say, oh, we think we're going to get, we're going to do everything we can to get a full season in. Uh, that's, uh, that is pretty optimistic, no? Yes, that's absolutely optimistic. Now, it's his job to be optimistic. It's his, right. it's his job to tell a kid, you know, hey, things look good. You know, him, him being gloom and doom or any college coach being gloom and doom is not going to do you any good as far as recruiting kids about as far as getting fans and sponsors excited about college hockey. So it's right. his job to be optimistic. But here's what I like. And, and I think this is actually a fascinating idea. Every year previously, you write about the fact that from Thanksgiving until a few days after New Year's, the student athletes are pretty much the only people on campus. 
because the, the first semester, at least at the University of Minnesota, generally ends right before Thanksgiving. And the second semester doesn't start often until just a little bit past New Year's. So there's about a six-week period there where the basketball team, the women's basketball team, the hockey team, et cetera, wrestling team, they're pretty much the only people on campus. There are no classes right. to go to. There are no other students there. And that's always kind of a weird time. You know, you talk yeah, to these kids, true. especially especially the ones, you know, the, the Nathan Burks of the world, who's from Scottsdale, Arizona, who is <laughs> – Sitting on campus in Minnesota in the winter, you know, playing video games or whatever he happens to be doing. Yeah, well, you know, and they say it, it's great time kind of too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's a weird time. Bob Motzko's idea is this: okay, everybody talks about let's have a bubble. You know, let's let's isolate the players. Well, perfect time to have a bubble is that six week period when they're the only ones on campus, essentially, they can go to practice, they can go back to their dorm rooms, they can go to their apartments, whatever the case may be, without having to interact with a lot of other students. So the chances of a virus spreading are a lot less during that time. He figures that's the ideal time to start the college hockey season is in that six week right. period. Now this would be different than than traditionally, because you would probably be playing games, you know, the weekend before Christmas. And traditionally, players have gone home by that point. They're back with their families. But again, right. tradition is out the window this year. Sure. Um, this is, uh, you know, all bets are off. Anything you can do to get games in to keep players safe, you're going to do this year. Well, not only you have that, and there was a uh, interview with uh, Coach Powers. Uh, that came out the other day, uh, and at least the impression that he gave off is even if they go to conference-only things, that no one's being left out. Uh, what did you hear about that? That's, you know, <laughs> it's funny you bring that up. Just in the last maybe 24 hours, <laughs> I've gotten, right. I've gotten you know, and, and the rumor mill, you know, runs rampant, and, and don't don't take too much really? stock in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. Wow. I, I, I thought you would have got. That. I thought I thought you would have gotten that news. Um, no. Did Brock? Did, hey, did Brock Nelson win this thing for the Islanders yet? Uh, uh, yeah, no. I think he, he no. helped get uh, get them even. Yeah, he, he got, got them even. even. Well, still playing. Yeah. Right? I, I I picked him in the uh, Bucci overtime challenge. So. Yeah, hey, <laughs> did you? Hey, do you think I was going to no, pick anybody is... but the Warroad guy? Come on. <laughs> do you guys even know I me? I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I knew that. I didn't even have to think about it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so what, what about this rumor, Bill? Let's hear it. In the last twenty-four hours, here's the here's the hot rumor I've heard now. Big Ten conference only season played at one site. That site happens to be Notre Dame. I don't know why you picked there, other than geographically, it's kind of right in the middle of the conference. Right. And Notre Dame's got a fantastic arena. Um, you know, I, I don't know what they have as far as. Uh, locker room space, but they do have two ice sheets under one roof. Uh, they do have a couple of pretty big hotels right near their arena. So in theory, you could com accommodate uh, seven teams there. You could play a, a conference-only season. Now, what you do as far as going to class, I don't know. I guess it would have to be all online, but that's that's a rumor I've heard lately is that, you know, a, a kind of a one-site Big Ten-only season played at Notre Dame. Um, good luck, I guess, you know, but, but, <laughs> let's would, do it. Uh, I would think that coach powers would be a bit nervous about that unless, <laughs> and this is what I've been throwing out. There is 
what if uh, the NCHC adopts uh, Arizona State for a season in hopes that they will become a uh, long-standing member in the future and brings them in and, and they do the same thing, only they do it at North Dakota or, uh, you know, somewhere. Um, sure. That, I mean, that's a possibility, but when, when Coach Power says nobody will be left out, I, I got a feeling that something's in the works, and I don't think it's any secret that uh, Brett Larson at St. Cloud State and uh, Brad Berry in North Dakota and Scott Sandlin at, at Minnesota Duluth, and you just go around the NCHC that things have started to heat up a little bit for Arizona State becoming a member of that conference eventually. Uh, we all know it's about the building. But we also know that this, like you said, tradition's gone right now. So um, would that be a possibility in your eyes? Absolutely. Now, I brought it up last time. Shovels in the ground yet? Any Anything going on over at that site over in Tempe? We, have, have, the fence have, is have, up, Jess. The fence have, is up. Have we, have the we ground got foundations have been taken. Okay. <laughs> Listen, he also said everything is still relative, is on schedule. You know, yep. whatever that schedule is, uh, Whatever that schedule is. Whatever the schedule it. is, it's about, you know, you know that that rumor I've heard is November, uh, but I've also heard that you know they don't want to make a big public deal out of it under the circumstances. Just I know optics. some. I, I know some people, by the way. I, I they they kind of they weren't supposed to do this, but they shared with me the results of the uh, ground samples. Right. Uh, desert. It said. That's all it said. Really. Desert. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully and, and they, 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 what they, was they, the last name of that one Gila monster? Yep. Yes, it was. Okay. <laughs> okay. And rattlesnake? <laughs> yep. Okay. Hint, hint, break hints, of, hints of saguaro. I don't know what that meant, but uh, go ahead. All right. I'm going to break into you on this one, guys, because Philadelphia just won in overtime. So, yeah, yeah, oh, right. Sorry, World And it fans, wasn't Brock Nelson. No, no Brock Nelson. Was it, was it, was it Matt Niskanen? Because no, I also not. had him. <laughs> I don't believe it was Matt. <laughs> no. I had him in the overtime challenge as well. So sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. So we go to a uh, what? Game six. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Yep. Scott Lawton, I'm being told by our good friend Doug, who is uh, following along on the podcast. Oh, okay. I didn't hear you. Sorry. My bad. Well, that's not the first time you ignored me, so. <laughs> Did you say something, Paul? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so, so Jess, uh, as I said, I stopped in at a uh, – at Dubuque, and that's the first time I've been there, goodness sakes, 25 years, I think. Uh, wow, things have changed. Uh, what a beautiful building. Um, Oliver David was just fantastic, showed me around. Did, uh, you know, I think we did 40 minutes of hockey talk. And the theory behind it, Jess, was that there's been five players that have already gone from Dubuque to Arizona State in the four years of their program, five years wow. of their program. And uh, also they have Riley Stewart there, who's a current uh, member of the Dubuque Fighting Saints. So I wanted to do a little feature on that because I thought that was kind of unique. And uh, when I was there, he was talking about um, the USHL has a plan. And he uh, talked a lot about the connection between the NHL and the USHL and their ability to work together in this COVID time. Um, your knowledge on that at all? Kudos to the USHL. They have been very forthright to say, you know, we're going to get a season in. We're going to find a way to do it. Um, we talked about Bob Motzko and his optimism. I think that's kind of what we need right now. We need this kind of can-do sure. attitude that, hey, yeah, this stinks. This is not anything normal. This is not where we want to be. But 
let's find a way to play some games. Let's find a way to salvage what we can out of this. Um, you know, I had somebody ask me, do you think things were shut down too quickly in March? Um, did, was it an overreaction? I don't know. Uh, I, but I think the decisions that were made in March were made based on the best information we had at the time. You know, let's face it. We were all pretty scared at that at that moment, not knowing how serious this was, not knowing how contagious this was, not knowing how deadly this was. You know, we didn't know if we'd be able to get toilet paper at that particular point in, in time. You know, no, you couldn't get toilet paper. It was it was, you know, Which so I when don't you think of, but right. And, and, and none of it made sense. But I think the actions that were taken in March, as heartbreaking as they were for a program, let's say like Minnesota State Mankato, which was having, you know, probably the best season in the history of that program and was, you know, a real contender for a frozen four. You look at North Dakota, which had come on so strong uh, at that point in, in their season. You look at Penn State, which had just won its first Big Ten title and was looking like a frozen four contender. Um, you know, I think of even Minnesota Duluth, who was trying to win three in a row, which hadn't been done in 60, 70 some years. And I think had a real good chance of, of at least, you know, being in the mix for that. So as heartbreaking as that was, I think the decisions that were made had to be made right at that time, knowing what we knew then. And I like the fact that leagues like the USHL and, you know, like the NAHL and granted, there's been some changes in the NHL, just NAHL and just in the last couple of days with uh, Corpus Christi, for example, saying they're not going to play this year, and the Kansas City Scouts saying they're going to delay for at least a year. But you've also seen programs and NAHL teams come out and say, you know what, we understand, but we're going to play. You saw the New Mexico Ice Wolves do that. You saw the St. Cloud Norseman. You know, the, some of these newer teams say, we want to assure our fans we're going to do what we can to play a hockey season. To me, that's at least encouraging and, you know, puts a little bit of a smile on my face and gives some hope that we're going to have some kind of hockey season here. Um, speaking of some of those areas, and, you know, we, uh, uh, we, we, we will, listen, you know, if they're the only ones that play, that'll, you know, they'll get a few more eyes. They'll get a little more exposure. So that's not the worst thing in the world for them either. Absolutely. You know. Okay, Jess, I want to I want to close it up uh, with you tonight on uh, the topic, and I don't know how much you follow the uh, the Hockeyville contest, the fact that El Paso got the uh, the NHL uh, money, if you will, for for the arena reconstruction or however they do it. But uh, what do you know about that, and and how exciting is that? I mean, for us, it's a desert or, southwest, right? And and right. we're thrilled about it. But East Grand Forks was also on the running, correct? First of all. Cranky. Yeah. First of all, uh, congratulations to El Paso. You know, I joke that uh, we we actually had uh, on on the podcast that I do, the Rink Live podcast with McHatton, uh, last week we had the head of Parks and Rec for the city of East Grand Forks on. You know, just right. kind of talking from a facility standpoint, and then we had Tyler Palmasino, who is the high school coach at East Grand Forks, who's who's coached the Green Wave to a pair of state high school titles in Minnesota. He played at North Dakota. His father was the coach of the Green Wave when I was in high school. So, uh, you know, kind of kind of a second generation comes into the job that way. They just talked about, number one, you know, we're tw almost 25 years on now, but the floods of 1997 were still, uh, you know, still something everybody talks about, everybody feels the effects of in a community like East Grand Forks because it was a real devastating time for them. And number two, they talked about just what a community effort it was to get the East Grand Forks Civic Center built in the 1970s and a lot of the things that they could do with the, uh, with the money. Now, the grand prize, I think, was $100,000 or something yes. like that. They didn't get that, but 
as runner up, they still get thirty thousand dollars. So it's it's a it's very good, good, yeah, very very good, very uh, you know, uh, uh, going to be a beneficial thing for that community to make some improvements to that arena. And I said to them, selfishly, in my life, if I were to make a list of the ten greatest moments in my life, no question. One of the top 10 moments happened at the East Grand Forks Civic Center in 1987, the uh, Section 8 <laughs> championship game, Warroad versus Crookston. I was a senior at Warroad. I was on the team bench. I, I didn't get anywhere near the ice other than just being on the team bench because that's maybe how we won the game. But, uh, but just, you know, one of those moments that sticks with you and you'll absolutely never forget. So I will always have fond memories of the East Grand Forks Civic Center and, and congratulations to them on the runner-up finish and, and on the $30,000 they're going to get to invest in their building. And by the way, I, I don't know if either of you guys have been there, but uh, El Paso is a nice little town. I mean, oh, yeah. everything's a nice little town compared to New York, but, um, <laughs> you know, in terms of population. But uh, it's a nice place. I, I liked my visits there the few times that I was there. Um, so good for them. They're the first team out of the this first city out of the Eastern time zone to win this thing. And, uh, you know, good wait, for them. Wait, wait, are we talking about the Winter Classic or are we talking about Hockeyville? Sorry. Hockeyville. The Hockeyville. Hockeyville. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, though. <laughs> they, they, they had the Winter Classic in Dallas. It's a slightly bigger town than El Paso. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no. In, in, in Minnesota, and granted, Minnesota was supposed to host the Winter Classic this year, but that was, an, that was an ongoing joke that we were convinced that every other NHL city would get the Winter Classic before Minnesota. And, and it didn't matter where it went. It just had to involve the Blackhawks somehow. Doesn't it always? Yes, exactly. Oh, please, let's not, or the Penguins. We can get we can get into this too if you want. We can come back on 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 a Monday night oh, my goodness. and get into oh, this my because uh, you know if you're not one of those six teams plus a couple of others, and you know I don't have a lot yep. of complaints about what the NHL does, but like you said, that's a different story for a different podcast. But, uh, well, hey, we do have, we do have five too, so. more pandemic playoff podcasts to, to oh, do, yeah. so you never know. I, I've, uh, I've, I've spent, uh, I've spent Christmas in Arizona before. It gets mighty chilly at night in December in, uh, in the oh, Valley yes. of the oh, Sun. So, hey, go, go ahead and go ahead and play a Winter Classic in Tempe. Let's Sunday Bowl Stadium. Let's light it up. We let's do yes, it. Yes, I'm down. <laughs> All right, just. Thanks so much for joining us. It would not be Minnesota Week without you. And uh, it, whether you like it or not, you just prove that you have more knowledge than uh, a lot of people in NCAA hockey. So thanks for joining us again, as always. Um, we will keep bugging you and keep bringing you back as often as we will come on with us. So um, I, I appreciate it. Like I said, this is Minnesota Week. Tomorrow night we're going to have Rob Sauber, hopefully, if uh, we can keep Rob connected. He he texted me at two o four in the morning. <laughs> wow! Wait, mean somebody else has time zone issues besides you, Scott? <laughs> yeah, and I'm in it the same time zone with him. I think. <laughs> Guys, uh, always fantastic to talk to you. I, I, Thanks, I, I, you know, any anytime we can talk college hockey. It is September now, so you know it's right. it's supposed to be getting close to college hockey season. But uh, yep. always a pleasure. And Scott, safe travels wherever, uh, whatever seven hundred miles you're putting on tomorrow. From, <laughs> I'm from, staying from here. Just all, I'm staying here all the way to. Labor Day. <laughs> God bless you. All right, folks. That's Thanks, Jess, Jess Myers from the Rink Live. Um, we're going to take another quick break. Paul and I will be back to wrap up another episode of College Hockey Southwest Weekly in two minutes. 
Looking for your next car? Head out to 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix and stop in at Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant. Come in and check out our great deals on the remaining 2020 Fords, as well as the new 2021 models just arriving, like the new E450 pickup truck during our summer outdoor and SUV sale. Voted the number one Ford dealer in Arizona by Ranking Arizona, we will do what it takes to make your car buying experience safe and convenient. Shop online at bellford.com. We'll bring everything to you on your schedule. Schedule a test drive. Need a repair? We'll come pick up your vehicle and bring it back to you. Our sales and service professionals are ready to help in any way to make sure you are happy and satisfied. Go online to bellford.com or call us at 602-866-1776 and let us show you why we've been the dealership that keeps Shane Doan coming back year after year. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit ease. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the Fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that Fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. Pre-game like a pro, post-game like a champion at College Bar and Grill. Located in downtown Tempe at 740 South Mill Avenue, College Bar and Grill is the place for the best local craft beers, tasty food, and Tempe's best atmosphere for Arizona State athletics. A short walk from Sun Devil Stadium or Desert Financial Arena, stop by for lunch or dinner, game day or any day, College Bar and Grill. All right, we're back. Folks, I know we're running a little late, but uh, Paul, quickly uh, summarize, if you can, uh, our visit with Jess and, and what you took away from the conversation. Well, what I, what I took away from the conversation is that they are digging hard and they're going to figure out some way, somehow, to have some sort of season. And obviously for us, that'd be awesome you know, however they end up doing it. Um, uh, you know, and sometimes, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Like I said, uh, Coach Powers in another interview said that no one's going to be left out. So, uh, you know, whatever happens, 
they're trying to take care of each other. Uh, as you said, college hockey is a quote-unquote small community, and all the coaches talk all the time. So, uh, you know, Bob Motzko would know as well as anybody else and just talk to him. So, you know, you, you kind of have to go with the feel that he had. Uh, so, you know, like I said, cautious optimism is – I mean, I, I know that's a cliche, but, you know, what the heck? I mean – what else can you have at this point, just based on things that have been made public? Because well, everybody's the, trying the, to play. Yeah, here's the interesting thing, Paul, and, and we'll end it on this, is that uh, Jess's point about um, maybe the Big Ten all playing at Notre Dame, um, like I said, I would not be a bit surprised if uh, Arizona State got adopted by the NCHC and they all went to the same type of a bubble. Um, we know that that you can do classes online. I mean, shoot, we did it in the, uh, in the spring with COVID. Yep. So you could make an exception to do your classes and put your teams uh, in a place. I mean, North Dakota would be a great site. They have the facilities. Uh, um, they have they might, what? Maybe Denver to make it in the middle for people. Uh, but it wouldn't be in the middle only for oh, Arizona right. State. Well, okay. But North <laughs> but Dakota is not exactly the middle either. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying is oh, the facility okay. is there for great TV broadcasts. Uh, yeah. it, it's the facility is there for practices. There's hotels, and uh, COVID will be a lot less um, with with far fewer people than almost anywhere else you could go. Well, I'm I'll just give you credit. That, you didn't I'm say Duluth. No, no. I'll give you credit. You didn't say Duluth. So. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I stayed away from it, but uh, um, I was so great to have Jess one, on. Yeah, let me ask you one last question before we get out of here. Sure. Uh, now that we know that uh, Jacob Semick is basically going to be a coach, does that mean we're <laughs> we're going to do the uh, a five minute Semick says instead of a yeah. powers play? Yeah, maybe. Uh, the funny part of it was I, I went through, and you'll hear this on the interview on Friday. I went through each player with uh, Coach David and asked him to talk about each player. And when we got to Jacob Semick, he smiled and he kind of laughed. And you'll see this on the video. And he said. Ah, Jacob Semek, I can't quit smiling. And then he said, you know what? I think he's been here 25 years, and he can <laughs> stay for another 25. He said, oh, I yeah. love the kid. He, he's a great kid. He's going to be a coach one day. I'm going to put him to work as a scout right now and have him do some uh, barnstorming for me in the desert southwest. Sure. It, was, it was hilarious. But the, the whole interview is great, so make sure you tune in on Friday for that. Um, we'll have it online. In the meantime, Paul will wrap it up for us, and we'll say goodnight on another College Hockey Southwest Weekly with a little De Niro from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Take College Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Bell Ford, voted the best Ford dealer in Arizona. The Arizona Ford Giant is the presenting partner of the Sunday special. Ask to see our friend Kevin Wood. Tell him Ice Time Hockey SW sent you, and you want to see the top-selling line of Ford trucks and more. Cold beers and cheeseburgers. Dining rooms open in according to CDC guidelines at all 12 Valley locations and the California location. Visit coldbeers.com for more information. T-Mobile, home of America's largest 5G network. See Andre in the Paradise Valley store at Shea and Tatum and let him show you how the power of the new T-Mobile can work for you. Now you can bring the best of Las Vegas home. Stop by Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas and pick up a bottle or three of our championship barbecue sauce. Buy Summer Skates. Your team can design its own logo and show it off with pride in our koozies and summer shoes. T 
team discounts are available. Go to icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner and get more information today. Behind the Mask, for all your hockey needs, visit any of our three locations or go to behindthemask.com. By College Bar and Grill in Tempe. By ASU fans for ASU fans. Oceanside Ice Arena. Learn to play hockey sessions are back for kids and kids at heart. See OceansideIceArena.net for more details. Roger Klein's Cancio and Tequila. Score a Roger Klein hat trick. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com and try each of our three styles of the best-tasting tequila. Buy OxyPow. Visit our full line of natural cleaning products at OxyPow.com. Buy M-Drive. Go to M-DriveForMen.com and try out our new relaxed supplement for better sleep, M-Drive for energy, stamina, and recovery. And by the Ice Den, Scottsdale, and Chandler. College Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also newly available on the TuneIn app, just ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is a part of the IceTimeHockeySW.com network. Very well done, my friend. I appreciate uh, your time and effort as always. I want to thank Jess Myers from The Rink Live for coming in on, uh, I guess we call it part two of our uh, Minnesota week because Rob Stauber hopefully will be on with us tomorrow on a special broadcast at 7.30 p.m. Pacific. If you're a club hockey fan, tune in at 6 p.m. Pacific for uh, a great club hockey show with uh, John Hogan, who I just had a chance to visit with for a Sunday special, which will be out Sunday. Uh, talking a little ACHA hockey and national tournament coming to St. Louis, Missouri in the next year and a half or so. So, Paul, have a good week. Uh, we'll talk again on Sunday night on the uh, Pandemic Playoff Podcast. And in the meantime, let's hope that there's not any big breaking news tomorrow in college hockey. There probably will be something, because there always is. All right, Paul. Have a good night. Good night. Good night.